Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Thomas Mai. And I'm Zancy Weber. The Craving Creativity Podcast is our cry for help. A way to help ourselves as creatives to talk about how we get inspired, how we create, but also how we deal with stress, mental illness, and everything in between. Now, if you're creative, you, like us, have most likely always been seen as the black sheep of your family and always making different choices than what 90% of normal people might do. Uh, not going for the safe choice, but always living a little on the edge. With the Craving Creativity Podcast, it is our hope to create a safe space where we can talk about being creative. We want to build a community of like minded creators and help each other subscribe email us and be part of the creative journey this is craving creativity and i'm one of your hosts nc weber here with thomas mine and this is episode 17 17 we're getting up we're almost at 20 oh 20 episodes in our late teens now man yeah we're that's, getting i will say that's not too far away from like six months oh yeah wow we yeah. stood each other that long. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're going to be talking today about the thing that everyone struggled with over and during COVID and other people struggled with all the time is making a living creatively. So using creativity to make a living. Yes. To actually earn earn enough money to live on. <laughs> the, the problem with us creative, and I'm just generalizing all of us, is that we have so much passion and we're so creative and we cannot stop creating stuff, whether it's writing or painting or drawing or singing or dancing or we just have it in us. It's part of our DNA. I don't like that term, DNA. It's part of our culture, part of, our op- part of who we are. But how do we monetize that? Yeah. That's that the subject. Is this thing that I've always struggled with because yes. I'm a self-proclaimed tragic socialist and I'm a creative person. So for me, the work has always been more than enough reason to do it. Yes. With money being like a third, fourth, or exactly. fifth. Exactly. So motivation. the pr- priority is always with the creative first, then you'll yeah. figure out the money later on. Yeah. It, and the, you very rarely do. The problem is that's a recipe for disaster from a financial point of view. Yeah. It's not something the yeah. bank goes, oh, I like that. That's that good going. You're a good dancer. Yeah. Let's give you a million dollars exactly. to see what you can do with it. I like that voice, okay? <laughs> no, you have to approve it, prove it. And speaking of that, I haven't asked, and for people who are listening to this podcast will know that once a year you do a 24-hour musical uh, yes so that we, was last weekend right yes absolutely yeah. how it was, did it go it went off without a hitch without a hitch without a hitch okay um there were there were mistakes and there was lots of laughter but it was great um we did struggle with a uh 25 reduction in capacity because yeah. of covid restrictions yes. being amped up that weekend yeah. but we did manage to uh stay open and put the put it on and even donate a little bit to our charity partner. Okay. Which is basically after we break even, everything goes to the actors and entertainers benevolent fund. Okay. Yeah. But nobody made any money on that. Uh, so we do keep, we have basically a fund yeah. that we use to put on the project every year. And yeah. once that's filled back up again, everything goes to charity. 
Okay. So we do pay, we pay creatives. Yeah. Oh, you do. Yeah. So, uh, and things like a set and costume and that's things like some people do get paid, yeah. but the majority it is volunteer because yeah. it's more of a community event. And see, that's what we're going to talk about today, yeah. right? So that's passion. Yeah. I want to be part of a musical. I want to dance and I want to sing. I want to perform. I want to be behind the stages and people volunteer. And that's the beauty of what we do is that it drives us to do something I always look at creative as, as you create something that's bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a teamwork like a musical or whether it's writing a book on your own, but you, you want to leave a mark, right? You put a, put a debt in the universe, as Stephen Jobs said, right? Yeah. You want to go out there and make your life meaningful, right? Give a purpose. But how do we make the money? I'm very interested in how to do that, Thomas. So, uh, <laughs> Do we have the answers? <laughs> uh, well, look, I'm... I, I'm currently living that dream yes. um, in the sense that I picked up podcasting as a hobby and I yes. taught myself how to do it. And yep. yes, that was for free for a lot of the time. Yes. But once I was comfortable with those skills, I started charging and now I do it full time. Yeah. I will say I don't feel creative 100% of the time that no. I'm doing it because there's a lot of not creative stuff that goes into running a creative business, especially if you're a sole trader. So I think there's definitely ways to do it. Uh, I don't think it's the easiest way to go about, to to go about living though. Like having worked the nine to five for the majority of my Mm. life up until I started working for myself. Yeah. Two years into do it into that journey, yeah, I can definitely see the appeal of a nine to five, even though it was like soul draining at the yes. time. There's a lot of security. There's a lot of like a compartmentalization. Like, okay, these hours don't belong to me. Yep. I'll do what I need to do in those yep. hours, and then I will find creative, uh, creative stimulus in my own time to fulfill the soul drenching right? to fulfill yeah. to, to kind of yeah refill <laughs> that, that that well yes <laughs> so when you're saying you're doing the podcasting the reason why you don't feel creative fulfilled all the time is because you have clients right you have all these different and for you some of it is work now yes yeah but you also have other parts of the podcast where it is creative yeah absolutely. so you try and mix and match yeah so for me the the most fun i have when podcasting is in the stage of creating a new podcast, kind of figuring out what it's going to be, how we're going to do it, how the pieces fit together. And then the second most interesting part is the actual production side of it. Mm. Um, Now I will say like not every podcast that I do is thrilling for me personally, because like there are a lot of podcasts out there and they appeal to every kind of person. I'm not every kind of person. Really the, the tough part for me is the business administration side. Yeah. Like is it's the invoicing, it's the bookkeeping, it's the, the scheduling, it's, it's the file uh, upkeep. It's yeah. 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 <laughs> all, all of that stuff that isn't directly tied with the creativity yes. and the creation of something. Yes. yes. It's the maintenance that yeah. goes into creating the platform that you can then be creative from. Um, I think uh, that is one of the, uh, selling points of say a creative room or a creative studio um, or like an advertising studio or design studio is that you have a business set up to just let creators be creative. Yes. Um, And that is in its own way problematic, but yeah, but, 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 
part of life is administration. Part of life is paying bills. But part I of don't life want is delivering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. But, but, but you have clients, right? Yeah. They 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 need those files, yeah. and you need to be available at certain hours. And yep. you are helping a lot of podcasts, and some of them might not be the most exciting things for you to sit there and listen to. But that's part of the job. But it's still better than the alternative. Going back to nine to five, or do you see the lure of that? guaranteed um, uh, salary coming at the end of the month or every two weeks. I see the lure. I do do understand and I don't hold it against anyone who's like, look, I'm not creatively fulfilled by my job. No. But it gives me enough money to take care of myself. Yes. And to find creative fulfillment and to fund creative fulfillment outside, whether that is like, painting supplies or whether that is uh, paying for a car that I can then go and perform places. Yeah. Um, all of that, I think there is definitely the lure. Got I it. am not in a place where I want to go back to nine to five. No. Um, I very much do appreciate working for myself yeah. and having the, the autonomy of, yeah. cho- of choice. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it is, it is difficult. It has been a learning curve to kind of figuring out how to support that creative work yes because it is there is non-creative work that goes into being a creative Obviously. for a living yes yes it's just just <laughs> yeah it's just part of part of life um like i have my family and there needs to be money in the account otherwise yeah. we can't pay the rent we can't get food on the table and someone's got to buy the chocolate <laughs> it's not always the chocolate okay <laughs> someone's got to buy the Radish. Just the bread, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, chocolate once in a while is good. <laughs> um, so, for my- so well, yeah, what is what is your perspective on this? Because you've had a whole bunch of different creative, uh, uh, I guess, careers. I, I Yeah, I, I've done a lot of different stuff and I wouldn't, I would love to just to be creative all the time because it's just, it's so fulfilling or researching. I think we spoke about if you, you go down a rabbit hole, you research something, oh, this is so exciting. This new thing. You can do this. You can do that. And I love that, uh, but it doesn't pay the bills, right? So I am, as you know, we share a podcast together mm-hmm. called Memorable Marketing. I'm going to put a link to the show notes. It's about, Absolutely. It's about uh, business. I do that for a company, but then I also have my own company where I create campaigns and I'm running one for you. Put a link to that in show notes as well. Um, and so I'm out there and I'm trying to talk to people about helping them. And I feel creative because there are, in marketing, there is creative elements. Yeah. And how do you stand out and how do you help someone and helping you, for instance, right? Getting more clients. Yeah. That makes me happy <laughs> because <laughs> you get happy, right? And I get happy. It's a win-win all the way around. So I get fulfilled in that way. I just got to make sure that all the ends are met at the end of each month. And that's yeah. a challenge yeah. constantly because you want to put uh, friendship first and you want to make sure that I help you, right? But also... I need to deliver for you, right? I don't want to, I can't turn you down, right? I can't, <laughs> I cannot fail yeah. because if I fail, you will fail myself. And so there is of course some pressure there and that's the non-fun fun part yeah. of it because you and I could sit here and spend hours on coming up with a fun, fun video, but what if it doesn't yeah, sell? What, what if it doesn't yeah. work? <laughs> so in that instance, it's, it's, I've always been 
in the in and out of the nine to five and then in the creative world and I seem to be going forth and back and hopefully now we can stay in this semi state between nine to five running working for myself. I prefer working for myself. I yeah. love that. Um I have the two buses at home, which is my wife and my daughter. And I just gotta fulfill them. And as long as money's coming in, then they're very happy. And so that's that's the good part. Um it's challenging. It is and it's hard. And and I have failed so many times. I've also succeeded many times yeah. and that's part of part of life. How do you approach putting a price tag on your work? Because that that I think that's that's the biggest bridge that a lot of people have to cross is like yeah. first acknowledging that what they do is worth money. Yeah. Um and then saying and and then putting that above say friendship going like yeah. I would love to do this for you, but yeah, I need to be paid for it. Yes. Yeah. I That's a very good question. Mm. I think that before you talk about price, you have to talk about value. Mm. What value do I provide you? Right? Why you? Why do you want to work? Why do you want me to go and run this campaign for you? Right? Yeah. So I have to come with value. In my case, I am. This is just an idea, but I'm reverse engineering. Normally, marketing, you have to pay all these fees up front. You've yep. got to pay a retainer. You've got to set everything up, and you risk all this money. And I sort of reverse engineer that and said to you. I'm going to set up a page for you, landing page. I'm going to come and film you. Yeah. I am going to uh, create a booking system so people can book a free call with you, with me. Yeah. I'll take the call. I'll go and sell for you. And if somebody buys, I'll take a bit of the money. So I create value for you first where you are risk-free, so to speak. Yeah. And that makes it easier. Now, I had to come to you and say, listen, I need $5,000 and I need to, to set this, blah, 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 blah. It would have been harder because yeah. I would have to prove my value down the line and I could it's easier to fail. Yes, so yeah. I think that providing value first makes it easier. And by providing the value, for, then, uh, just so everyone understands, I didn't make money each time we make a sale. I just take, we, we figure out a cut and all that stuff. It's a commission. Yeah, so I make yeah. a commission of that. But I risk that, but I feel good about that because I'm helping you. Yeah. So in that way, it makes sense. So I think that you have to ask yourself, how can I, if you are creative, whatever you are, how can I create value for someone else? Yeah. And if you can, how, what, what can I contribute that creates value for anybody? Once you figure that out, Right. If you're a dancer, okay. Well, if I'm dancing in front of a lot of people, they smile. Yeah. They're happy. Right. Okay. So in the old days, it was going down on a street corner, so to speak, and <laughs> stand on a soapbox and start dancing. Right. And people and come that by. Is, that's a lot. in a half. Right. It's, 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 yeah. yeah. That's a real problem when it comes yeah. to creative pursuits in that a lot of the, the value that people get from your work yeah. is not going to be in terms of money. And you're not going, so exactly. if you're a dancer, yeah. you're not going to create a product that makes a lot of people money. No. You're going to make, you're going to make a product that makes a lot of people entertained yes. and have some joy. Yes. And, and maybe, maybe you're in a production that makes yes. people money. Um, and so that is, <laughs> that, 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 that is the disconnect there. Yes. And I, and the, the, the how you make it connect is because right now you're just a dancer. Now yeah. we just, we're just a dancer. But there's thousands of dancers. There's literally millions of dancers out there. But you've got to come with your story. Yeah. Why are you dancing? Why is this important to you? Why should people care? And most of the end of the day, why should people give you money? Mm. And if you can answer those simple but deep questions, if you can answer that, then you can figure out a way how to monetize that yeah. dancing. Because it's important because I, I, I dance to make people happy. All right. Well, I dance because it's who I am. I 
make because I dance people have a better life. Okay, yeah. well then I am warned. I provide value. Now, how do I channel that into making money? All right, so that could be, I can do dance tutorial online. I can have a video YouTube channel. I can go in, let's say, I can go in and perform 100 best ballets, the 100 best dance routines. I can go in and cut, find a scene and then just redo that dance sequence yeah. until people understand I'm breaking down a film sequence. I'm breaking down a balance sequence for other people to understand. I can extract value out of that and because i extract value out of that and i can inter interpretate that i can then provide some value that can be turned into monetary sense does it make sense yeah um and definitely i think especially in in that that kind of creative world where it's not strictly um goods for value yeah. uh you definitely what you're saying there is you need your story you need your brand yes and once you have that that yes. is how you convince people to invest in you um so that that could be either through grants yeah. uh, and and what have you or through investors yes um so that is cuz definitely like i've applied for a lot of different grants yeah. um for for pro for projects that i'm peripherally in involved with or projects that I'm directly involved yeah. with. And that is what they need. They need to know who are you and why yes. do you do what you do? Exactly. Can you do what you yeah. say you're going to do? And what, what are you going to achieve? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the problem with the grant and we're living in Australia, so there are grants and there might be countries <laughs> where there are no grants, yeah, right? No, absolutely. But the problem with grants is that it's death by committee, meaning that A, there's a limited budget and B, somebody, it, it always comes down to, 99% of the time, they're going to say no, Yeah. right? And they're looking for any excuse to say no to you. As soon as you spell the comma wrong or you put the T in the wrong place or you answer the wrong question, boom, you're out because they need to turn you down. And and, and surviving on grants is a very tough life. Well, that's why. Because it's very finite. It's, it's yeah. a tournament, right? Because you're, yeah. you're turning yeah. against everyone else. Whereas if you go out and use the internet, <laughs> social media, YouTube, Facebook, uh, TikTok, I don't care what it is. Go out and promote that. There is an infinite amount of people who can then end up watching you, who can maybe have a stake in what you do. Absolutely, and, and that's what I was trying yeah, to yeah. draw. Is there is a synergy there? Exactly, um, because those those other things that you're doing yeah. that main that support you and support your brand yes. that gives the people who are lo you're looking to give you money. Yeah, that gives them a much more vast insight into who you are and what you can do and what your capabilities are. Yeah than just writing things on a piece of paper or, or going into Correct. an interview and saying, Correct. this is who I am, this yeah. is why I do what yeah. I do. Yeah. It's like, this is everything that I do. Yeah. Let me do it for you. Yes. Yeah. And, and the tournament versus the infinite model is just, I have, I've said this before in one of our earlier podcasts. If, if someone had come along to Charlie Chaplin 80 years ago, said there's this thing called social media. You can, by a press of a button, reach millions of people. He would say, sign me up. Yeah. We have these amazing, what an amazing time to be alive. It's also a very stressful time and a lot of stuff that is, that is hard. And But we live in an amazing world right now because mm -hmm. we can, a press of a button, you and I sit here talk in Fortitude Valley in Brisbane and somebody in Namibia can sit here and listen yep. to us, right? Yeah. And And, it's phenomenal that, that we have these possibilities. So instead of thinking, oh, I can't do all this stuff, what can I do with what yeah. there is? There's just so much, there's so many capabilities. There wasn't a, 
20 years ago. So I think we step into that and use that and see that as a stepping stone, not be afraid of it, but embrace it. And I think no matter what you are, what kind of creative person you are, you got to step into this and embrace it and not be too afraid of it or not holding back or you don't belong or how can I make a difference? How can I make a dent? Because when you're dancing or when you're drawing or when you're writing or when you're filming or you're singing or you're doing a musical, mm. you feel the connection. Yeah. Can you channel that connection into a medium that is on a camera, that yeah. is on your phone, that is on your laptop, that is that can then can transfer it out into the universe? I think that's the connection because you were talking about this connection before. Yeah. So those two things, how do I provide value and how can I channel my passion out to the world? Because you yeah. can channel your passion. Somebody else is going to come in and, and connect with that. And, and we creative, we are passionate. That's our, that's our mojo, man. Once <laughs> people connect, be prepared, be prepared to put a number value on your on your time and talent yeah. um i think that that's definitely something that has come out of covid with so many people finding a side hustle yeah. to support themselves it's like artists need to live yes and therefore yes. you need to pay artists yes um yeah. for for what they do because yeah. that's the thing like during covid if you didn't have novels to read if you didn't have netflix to watch if you yeah. didn't have movies to stream yeah like what, what, what were you going to do? Like yeah. you're li literally relying on the arts um, yeah. Yeah. during that time. Yeah. So I think that is you need to value yourself yeah. and demonstrate that value to, to other people. Yeah. And that's, that's really the crux of how you make a living yeah. is building that to the point where you don't need to uh, do anything else other than your creative enterprise. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I th we talked about Patreon before. And mm -hmm. for those who yep. don't know, it's an amazing, people can go in and give you a dollar a month, $5 a month, $10 a month. Again, it's just another potential revenue source. Yep. And it doesn't sound like a lot with 10 bucks, but if a thousand people do, it's $10,000 a month, you know? Yep. And a thousand people sound like a lot, but hey, you know, you got to start with a small following, right? Yep. Jesus started with 12 and I'm not going <laughs> to put religion into this, right? But he started with 12, right? Yep. And in, any, any movement starts with a small number of people who go out there. What we're trying to do, right? Yeah. How many, how many downloads do we have uh, currently? Uh, uh, that, that's a lot, but uh, probably uh, we've, probably got around 7,000, 10,000, yeah. 15,000, somewhere around there. So we don't know for a fact, but that means somebody is, besides our moms, is yeah. actually <laughs> out there. Oh, I know my mom isn't listening to it. Neither is my mom. She can't even spell the podcast. She doesn't know what it is. So there but we go. Not even our moms some, are listening to but, this. But, but hopefully people can hear that you and I, we're being honest. Yeah. We're open and we are being ourselves. And hopefully we're providing value. So this is a great example of providing value where people can then listen to us. And yeah. and one point, hopefully we can monetize. I think, I think we've made like $10 or so far, right? So far. So like we're saving up for a lunch between us. That's, that's the what the first trick <laughs> in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to start somewhere. Yeah, right? So what are we doing for our top three? Because yes. this is, this is a bit of an esoteric episode. Yeah. So. Yes. So we're talking about success or failure as a creative three times where you had success or a failure as a creative. And then I want to be a little bit about inspiring why we succeed and why we fail. So hopefully people can get interested yeah. in that. So you want to go first with your first one or do you want me to go first with the first one? I'll, I'll go with the first one. Yeah. Uh, so my directing debut yes. uh, was a, was a play that was written by a friend of mine <clears throat> She wanted to write and star. I was like, okay, I will direct. We will both produce. We got, um, we literally got thrust 
money thrust upon us by uh, uh, a government organization going like we want to produce uh, queer centric work work here is uh, a bunch of money and a mentor put it on i hate when that happens when people <laughs> give you money it's so annoying well well we were not ready for it no um pressure and so when it came to putting on a a, a show with with 12 people in a in a place like there was no theaters available so we ended up doing it in like a community hall uh with no theater lights, with no no front of house, anything like that. It was bad sound. <coughs> no, yeah, it was no mics. <laughs> we don't we, we don't pay for mics. No curtains like no that. Cur- that's the issue. We had to black out one whole wall of of windows. Um, I, I'm not going to call it a total failure. No, um, because I made great artistic connections that. Um, persist to this day, uh, learned a lot about putting on a show, uh, made lots of mistakes so that I never made them again. Uh, but basically because we were so unprepared, uh, because everything just happened in such a rush, the obstacles that we had to overcome just kept piling up and piling up and piling up. And while we put something on and it existed, looking back now, like I would, I, do, I do not stand by the quality of what we put out. Um, but it was your first one. It was my first. It and, was a learning. And you've yeah. learned a lot from that. So if you were to do it again, <laughs> it would be 10 times better, five times, a hundred yeah. times better. Absolutely. And like, that was the thing, like we were given money so we could actually pay people, yeah. uh, which was great. That's that, that was one of the things we really wanted to do. Um, but when it comes down to it, like we were not we did not have the experience to do what we set out to do mm. or that what we were basically thru- thrust into the deep end to do. Yeah. Um, so that I, I, I count it as a partial failure, yeah. learned a lot from it, which is why I, I call it a partial failure, but a mm. failure nonetheless. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there was called by identity. And if anyone saw that, I apologize, but yeah, I'm not giving you your ticket money back because it, none, it all went to the actors. So, yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, um, that's good. Uh, and when was this? This was 2010. 2010, so wow. 11 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yes, 2010, and then my first musical was the year later, which was much better because. But yeah. you had to go through the first one yep. to get to the second one, and you Absolutely. had to learn from the first one, and that's so beautiful. About I mean, it's part of life, you know. Yep. I'm teaching my daughter to learn how to bike at the moment. You're gonna fall down. She's very afraid of falling down, yeah. but you know, and also on a bike, there's a there's a you got to have certain speed on a bike. If you don't have speed, you're gonna fall. Yeah, and so you have to get past that point and no return right and 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 you've got to learn just like when you learn how to walk so it's just it's part of human yeah, evolution you really have to overcome the fear of failure yeah um and that is what the process did because like every time an obstacle came up it's like okay this is a failure we we failed to uh predict this uh, let's get over it but, you, but here's the thing I know we talked about the difference between you and me before, yeah. right? I just jump before I look where you, you tend to, that's what you told me, yep. like to prepare everything about I detail. I don't care how detailed your business plan is for a musical or for a film production. You will encounter 20 things you could never, never, never imagine yep. in your business plan. Absolutely. COVID could have been one of them, right? Lockdown could be another one, right? Uh, somebody gets sick, right? Somebody has to go to the hospital. I mean, somebody breaks like, you just, you can't, you can't prepare. So at some point, 
you're just going to jump. Yep. And it's scary. It is. I, I hear it. It is <laughs> scary. But that's only how we survive and how we learn and yep. how we evolve. Absolutely. And so sitting on the fence and waiting, waiting, waiting for someone to give you a sign. If you're listening right now, this is the sign. Yeah. Do it. And that's the thing, like that that opportunity led me on to assistant directing professional stuff and then directing other other things. Like it was it it, it was a valuable failure. So it was not a failure. Mm, the show was bad. I'm gonna say just like the the, <laughs> the experience was was not good for the audience. Okay. Uh but was this, was this everyone learned and gained from it. But the show was bad. From a creative point of view, from a musical point of view, from a singing point of view, so, or no, was it just so badly it was executed? Just a play. There was no musical, okay. no, no music. Um, I would say, yeah, the play in the terms of the actual production mm. was poor from what we set out to achieve. But the story was good. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well then, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I- <laughs> but that's the thing. If the only thing good in a movie is a script, the movie's probably not good. If the lighting is well, off, no. the acting is off. No, no, no. I, I Look. You've seen plenty of black and white films, right? Uh, I mean, mean, it's the story is good and the acting is good. It doesn't matter about the production value. It doesn't. It it could sure. I mean, editing and yeah, yeah. But but if 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 the story and the characters are enough to engage you, you can. I mean, I've seen theater plays that was made in a basement, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and you know that guy standing behind a fake tree. I know he's standing there, right? We all know it, right? But you give in to the illusion. You can forgive that. We talked about earlier about Last von Trier shooting that film on stage. Yeah. Where there was chalk marks, there was walls, right? Yeah. You, you, you see beyond that. At one point, you just forget that because you're focusing on the story and the act. And that's low, low production value coming yeah. from a guy who's in, <laughs> considered a, a big auteur director, right? So... It, it, it's it's about if the story is there, it's okay. Yeah, I think that's all right. But you learned a yeah, lot. Absolutely. Like right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. If I did, could do it again, I would. Yeah, go back and tell yeah. your younger self, do it. Just, just yeah. were you were you leading up to that point where you were thinking about not doing it? Were you ner- nervous? Uh, no, I've always been fairly confident that my skills lay in production more so than in performance. Mm-hmm. Um. So I would, I never really doubted that something would happen, mm. um, but I would much have, I would have preferred to make it easier for everyone by being able to get that head start and be at one step ahead of everything. Okay. And that, that was just me learning that I can't do that. You just have to roll with the punches. Okay. So what about you? What's, what's your, one of yours? My first one is a failure <clears throat> and uh, it comes about my story coming to Australia back in mm-hmm. 2011. So I've been here 10 years now and um, I arrived here and I'm like, okay, what do we do now? Right. <laughs> Welcome to Australia. I need to find a mega way of living. And then I hooked up with a company called Spectrum Films with a guy called Josh Pomerantz, who's a great guy. And we started this little company called Fan Dependent, not independent, but Fan Dependent. And I was like, let's do something about crowdfunding. And then I was asked by Screen Australia, uh, which is a government funding body here, to apply for a grant. And they told me, Thomas, there's a grant. It's it's stubbing next week. You should apply for it. Well, I've, you've virtually got it then, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> he said, they said, listen, you should really, okay. Because I hadn't tried that before. And I knew somebody there that see me talk at a festival somewhere. Anyway, I applied for it. And lo and behold, we got it. And it was $200,000, which is a nice, yeah. I'm not supposed to, I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this now, but I did. It's 10 years ago. Sorry, Josh. Um, so we got, got that amount of money. And, the idea was I was going to help 10 filmmakers okay. uh, crowdfund. Uh, so, and I 
primarily first-time filmmakers because I've tried with established filmmakers, established directors. They don't want to pick. They yeah. don't want to go on cameras. They, they, they're too proud. They, they have no problem picking a film fund. They have no problem going to yes, yeah. a TV station or to a committee saying, I demand money, but Not going the audience, to look, look yeah. their audience in the eye. They have a very hard time with that. So I thought, okay, let's train a new generation. And we did 10, we did 12, we did 15. We did, I re- we raised quite a lot of money, more than, um, I think a million dollars, which was, which is awesome. And yeah. we launched, I've spoken about some of the other films before. I'm not going to go through them, but it was a success in that regard because we got all these things and it sort of introduced me to society, but the money ran out. Yeah. Obvious for obvious reasons. And we were supposed to take a fee and nobody wanted to pay that fee. And then I went out and tried to continue that business by myself. Yeah. And where I failed in my business plan <laughs> was that I... I got contacted with filmmakers on a daily basis, two, three, four people. Hey, we want to work with you, Thomas. But they all expected me to do it for free. Yeah. And there is this thing in the film business where you always help each other out. And I I don't mind doing that. And I've done a lot of it. But at the end of the day, you got to pay your bills, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I, I, so you could sit there and spend all my time. And so I failed at, I thought this was a nice business case. Had it been in any other business where people had money, I would probably succeed. I, I, yeah. I, I think I mentioned it before. I was... Because I did 28 crowdfunding campaigns. Mm. That's a lot. That's I mean, you'll learn yeah. a lot from doing 24, 28 crowdfunding campaigns for first-time filmmakers. And some are misses, some are hits, and some are okay. So there's there was everything in between there. But you get an experience. So, yeah. As I mentioned before, so you get a, a lot of experience. So you know exactly what's happening. But I failed because I couldn't make money off that, even yeah. though... I launched a lot of careers. Um, there was an Afghanistan, uh, Afghani woman, uh, her name is Shana Shabut, who unfortunately is caught in Afghanistan, in Kabul. She's trying to get out as of this. I don't know if she's out yet, but she made a, a film, the first film, got into Cannes, got into Director's Fourth Night. She won Director's Fourth yeah. Night. Amazing film. I, hate, I helped crowdfund $100,000 for that. I mentioned Gaby Baby before yeah, on yeah. this show. Also got $100,000 for that. I, I helped a lot of films launch filmmakers, first-time filmmakers, and it was just amazing because it was this this new way of doing things um but i failed in creating money for myself yeah that makes sense yeah my next is also a failure Uh, this is a total failure (laughs) as far as i'm concerned (laughs) all right um in the sense that i i neglected to make money freelancing while i had a full-time job because i had a full-time job yeah i enjoyed uh, doing creative graphic design work. Yeah. So I would just do it for free. Yeah. Uh, that went on for the majority of my career up yeah. until a, a few years ago when I was like, okay, no, I need to start looking at going uh, full-time freelance. Yeah. Uh, and then I started actually charging and it was like, it was a big wake up call to the people who I'd worked with before going like, look, I can't just do it for free anymore yeah. or like a, a nominal, a nominal, charge yeah. anymore i do have to start charging yeah. hourly and that's going to be a little bit of a, a, a jump in price yeah. Uh, yeah well from zero to yeah to, to, to money is a big <laughs> yeah, well, jump. some some insisted on paying me yeah. something yeah. so but that would be there's probably 10 percent of what i would i would charge yes. now yeah. um or what i should have charged then um and like i justified it to myself as like i would prefer that uh, the people had success with what they're doing, so I'm just going to help them out. Yeah. I enjoy it. I'm financially yeah. stable, so let's just do it. Yeah. Um, but that definitely kept me in the nine to five for a lot longer than it should I, have. I probably would have stayed yeah. if I knew that I could support myself outside of it. Looking back, how 
Should have changed that earlier. Should have made a transactional value earlier. Um. Y- yes, I should have. Yeah. I don't. I don't think there's a world in which I came to that conclusion myself before the point that I did because I didn't need to. Yeah. Um. I, as a person, dislike money. I really like living comfortably. Yes. And I recognize I need money to do that. Yeah. But like, if I don't need money in that moment, I'm very unlikely to say, look, uh, can you give me money for what I'm going to do? If I enjoy what I'm going to do. Whereas that's changed now. Whereas I'm like, okay, this is my time. This is my experience. This is my value. Um, Let's negotiate to see okay. where we where we get to, um, because there are definitely times, even now, when I'm approached by someone to do a podcast, and I'm like, okay, I know you don't have a lot of budget. This is what I can do for you. What can you do on this list so we can get the price down? Got and it. and that sort of thing. So yeah. we negotiate a right. price. So yeah. you're better of of knowing where your value point is. I will I will very rarely do anything for free yeah. anymore. Um, creatively. Because it's just a slippery slope, right? Yeah. Because they take you for granted and then then there's no deadlines, there's no transparency, yeah. there's no accountability, there is no it's just it's a it's a Yeah. I, I, and like I, that's the thing. Like I didn't want it to be a business and yeah. so that's why I didn't approach it like a business. But now I think because I want I want artists to get paid. Yeah. So I need to lead by example. Yeah. And as an artist ask to be paid. That was a great article. I'll see if I can find it online and link it to the show notes. But there was an article I read a while ago and it says, no, I will not read your effing script for free. <laughs> All right. And, and, and this guy, because when you live in LA, right? I mean, yeah. you, you, you go to the laundry, uh, you go down and do your clothes, you start reading a script. Three guys or women will come up to you and say, hey, why are you reading a script? I got a script right here. Everybody, everybody has a script, yeah. right? Yep. <laughs> and, and you go into a restaurant or a waiter, everybody has a script they want you to read, right? And that's just because of, of the nature of Hollywood and yeah. LA and everybody's and it's beautiful and funny and and, and ro- romantic and cute but it's also very annoying and there's only so many hours in the day and i'm not a, i don't like reading scripts i really don't <laughs> like reading scripts yeah and the problem is if you read a script i don't really have to read it so you have to make an opinion but then people want notes on it they have yeah. to go back and give you and tell them well you should fix this you should work on this and then we have to enter this dialogue we have set up another meeting and it's very very time consuming just, just print a shirt i will read your script for 100 dollars a meeting <laughs> <laughs> and so and then they keep following you up on you and a week later once you read script well, i'm doing this paid work right yeah. now and so they get annoying so yeah it's just a great hopefully I can, it, this article still exists and it's just because when you are a film producer you get offered a yeah. lot of scripts all the time and I am not a fan of reading scripts. I really am not. Fair. I don't like it. And I, I think I mentioned before, if I'm not in by page 15, I'm out. I'm yep. sorry. I just can't can't do it. So, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just little sidetrack. No, absolutely. A so what was your number two? Number two is a success. Um, I, in 2006, I moved to Los Angeles um, to chase a girl then moved to San Diego um, someone from Denmark, long story. I mentioned it before. She was the one whose brother died. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We mentioned that. I can't remember what episode that's in, but he had this lymphatic cancer and he died very rapidly, unfortunately. And she went to work with Tony Robbins, who was in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I followed along. Follow her along as, as a guy. So I moved to LA. And I landed there with my two suitcases, just like Australia. What do I do now? <laughs> and I had a network of people that I knew, and I was good at selling, meaning yeah. I had all these contacts in the film sales industry. 
uh, from foreign distributors, which is valuable. And I was like, and I met this guy. Well, I met him before, R.D. Rupp. He, um, I'd help, help rescue his project, which is called Don's Plum. This is a crazy, crazy side story. You're not going to believe this, but it's <laughs> absolutely true. So Toby Maguire mm-hmm. and Leonardo DiCaprio mm-hmm. had made a film called Don's Plum. Sure. But they did. It was a short film that got turned into a feature film, and okay. R.D. wrote it and directed it. Oh, okay. And DiCaprio's star was rising, and so was, um, what's his name? Um, Maguire. Maguire's as well. And... From what I understand and from what I read, they were excited about it, but their agents were not because here was a film that was on sanctions, yeah, uncontracted, yeah. on it got into a huge mess, got into a huge contract issue, and it got in front of a judge in America, and it can never be released in America. But right, the yeah. company I was working for, we picked up the rights to it. We finished the post-production in Copenhagen at Centropa at Las Ventrias base, and we got it out in the world. And cool. so that was my backstory. So when I landed in LA, I knew RD and we started going around, blah, blah, blah. We set up a company together. It's called Send America. And uh, we started reading scripts, a lot of scripts. And we read out 100 scripts. <laughs> and that's why you hate reading scripts. <laughs> <laughs> but out of the 100 scripts, we found one. We found yep. one gem, which is a film called 1.0. And we both loved this script together with a guy called Carl Gates. And... Um, Basically, we rolled off with the scripts, and I went around and pre-sold for $1.4 million of Germany, wow. Japan, yeah. I can't remember all the countries, but that money allowed us to access a fund, which allowed us to access another producer, which, long story short, but within a year of landing in, yeah. in, in yeah. LA, I, I got a film up and running, and this film called 1.0, it ended up in, in, in the main competition, Sundance. Yeah. So that was a success story. Excellent. And I was just going for it 100%, just believing in it and this will work out even though multiple times it's, it could have gone wrong. Let's just put it that way. We shot in, uh, yeah. in Romania of all places, but that's a different story. Jeremy Sisto played the leading role. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Deborah Kara Unger was in it. And what's his name? Oh my God. Oh, one more person. It's embarrassing. I'm going to link that in the show notes. Okay. Link it in yeah. the show notes. <clears throat> uh, my final one's an easy one. It's TNC podcasting. It's uh, it's almost two years now. Um, I jumped into it at the beginning of COVID and had no idea whether it would work, but I kind of came in with one client. Yeah. I got another couple of clients and that was, that's kind of been it. I've managed to uh, set up a business in which I can decide who I work for, how I work with them and live off that, those proceeds. Um, it has, I'm going to say it's been a big learning curve, but I, I'm, I'm happier now doing what I'm doing day to day than I ever have been working a nine to five. Um, I, I am a fairly independent person and I get along mostly with my managers, but like, there's nothing like being your own manager. Um, uh, yeah, I, I kind of hold myself to account enough, I think. Uh, so I, I, <laughs> I, I don't need to be uh, reined in. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's it. Cause it's, it's ongoing. So I'm calling it a success. Even if it falls apart in a year, podcasting goes out of the window because I don't know, we start communicating telepathically. Um, yeah. I've, I think it's been a success. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's actually also my third one because <laughs> in between success and failure, we're doing this podcast uh, and I don't know 
well, right now I'm having fun. It's yeah. very creative. I'm <laughs> really, really liking it. It would be nice that at some point we made more than $10. It sure would be. <laughs> but I'm really enjoying this. And yeah. I'm really enjoying Audible. working with you on this <laughs> and having fun with this. So that's my third one. So it's in between six. Because it's success because it's fulfilled my criteria creatively because yeah. I enjoy doing this. Uh, monetarily, we still have some ways to go, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen one yeah, day. One day. Dear Audible, we would like uh, one sponsorship, please. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been us for this week. Yeah. Uh, so reach out. Let us know what your, I would like to know what your biggest success is or the biggest thing that you've learned through a failure. Yeah. Reach out to us. Uh, you can find us on uh, creative Craving Creativity Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, yes, it is. And I think it's time to set up a Facebook page. Ooh, okay. I will, I will do that. All right. I will uh, do that. Uh, reach out on Facebook. If we have thousands of... Uh, <laughs> should we not do that? Is that Yeah, no, right? absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. Um, and yeah, and I've been Zane C. Weber here with... Uh, Thomas Mai. And uh, yeah, keep being creative and uh, charge for your time. Yes. Yeah. yeah value your time. You are... Pro- find out how you're providing value and then monetize it. You need to provide the value. Absolutely. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.